0: This episode is brought to you in part by D6 Conference, a pivotal event for family ministry dedicated to nurturing discipleship based on Deuteronomy 6. Empower your ministry team and family by joining us. Register now at d6conference.com.
1: Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church.
2: This is Pass the Mic.
1: Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me as always today is the founder of The Witness BCC. He has an extensive bio. He is the man the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, the book award winner. You can follow his writings at Tisby.subsec.com, Mr. Blue Check vilified himself, Dr. Jamar
2: Tisby. What's going on, brother? It's always a special occasion when we have three folks on the microphone. So I'm excited about this.
1: And speaking of which, to my right, we have the witness content manager, the brilliant... The radical, the amazing <laughs> Bria Perry is here with the us.
0: Radical. It's a good thing. It's a,
1: it's a positive thing. That's <laughs> a positive thing. I like, I like thing.
2: the brilliant. You got some alliteration. There. Yeah, Bria, Bria the brilliant, brilliant Bria, the bodacious. Bria, the brilliant.
0: No. <laughs> I don't know. All
2: right,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. I hope it doesn't mean anything weird. Send your emails <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
1: too. <laughs> Please send your emails too. <laughs> Uh, Oh, we got to act right. We got to (laughs) act right on this podcast. (laughs) We
0: sanctify. We still saved. Absolutely.
1: 100%. 100%. (laughs) So we were having this conversation about our young Christian experiences, specifically in predominantly Christian ministries, spaces, churches. And obviously I have a history with this because of my college experience Mm -hmm. and, and Christian education. But then I think it also passes through with uh, college campus ministry, all kinds of different things, which can be really great things and can be really helpful things, but also for some people can create um, maybe a, a miseducation. So Jamar, mm. you had talked about the miseducation of the young black Christian, and this was your, con- this, is what you, this is what you said. This is what you said. <laughs> what <I say? laughs> you said. What you said, the miseducation of, of the, the young, young black, black Christian. Christian. So I want you to connect it to what you were thinking about with the miseducation of the Negro.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Carter G. Woodson, uh, known as the father of black oh. history, creator of Negro History Week, which comes Black History Month. He, his most well-known book is called The Miseducation of the Negro, published in 1933. Uh, this man was brilliant. He was basically foreshadowing what would become black studies. And what's core to black studies is we actually have to change the parameters of the conversation and the dialogue, and what counts as scholarship, what counts as primary sources, who counts as an expert. All of these things were on the table in the 1960s and 70s when the Black Studies Movement was really taking off. But decades before that, Carter G. Woodson had noticed the same problem that Black Studies was designed to address, which was the whitewashed curriculum in all kinds of education. Mm -hmm. So he's talking mainly about sort of general public education, knowledge that that is sort of baseline information that everybody should have, and how it taught black people to valorize white people and to villainize black people. Hmm. Mm. It taught them to hate themselves, and that's why he's calling it a miseducation. So there's all kinds of powerful quotes from the book. (laughs) One of them is, quote, there would be no lynching if it did not start in the classroom teaching white people to hate black people, teaching black people that they are inferior. There's another quote that I often go back to, and this is more about black folks who uncritically adopt this whitewashed education and then what that does in terms of changing their attitudes toward other black people. He says, the, quote, educated Negroes have the attitude of contempt toward their own people Because in their own as well as in their mixed schools, Negroes are taught to admire the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin and the Teuton and to despise the African. Mm -hmm. Mm. So he's saying after you done got your education, you done gone to all their schools, you got their diplomas. What has it taught you? It has taught you to elevate anything European, anything deemed white. And then by correlation has taught you to um, devalue anything black. Hmm. And he's saying we actually need to completely reconstruct the curriculum so that when black people get an education, it's actually helpful for black uplift. And it doesn't take our educated people away from black communities. It educates them in such a manner that they can contribute to our black communities. So, wow. Yeah, that that sounds incredibly relevant for today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 1933 to 2023, wow. like it feels in connection, Looking like right it, it time. feels timely for us. 90 years, okay. And so, this resonates with us in the ideas of public education, culture, our own communities. But then, can we connect it to Bria, your experience, which you were talking about your experience being a young black Christian in campus ministry and how there's some overlap here and correlation as it relates to our spiritual formation and how it relates to our discipleship. And so I think before you even say anything, I think it's important for us to understand there is no such thing as a neutral discipleship. Mm. Mm, Yes. Like you are forming people, not just theologically, but you're forming them culturally. Mm. There's no culturally neutral discipleship. Come on. Right. None whatsoever. Right. And that does not mean that the only worthy discipleship is the discipleship that is connected to our culture or the only worthy resources are connected to our culture. That's not the issue at all. But if you are unaware of the implications of your discipleship, if you are unaware mm. of the implications, um, so let me give you an example, right? And then I'll kick it to Bria. So, for example, How you deploy discipleship is by nature cultural, right? Right. So let's give you an example. So people say, subscribe to this cultural, subscribe to this um, discipleship curriculum. And we're going to do a video discipleship curriculum. Well, there's an assumption you made right then. When you you decided that people are going to subscribe to your, you know, I'm not using names, but you said people are going to subscribe to your discipleship curriculum streaming service. What you're assuming is they have they have devices, they have access to solid Wi-Fi, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like you're assuming certain things by nature about them that and you're also assuming that they have the resources necessary for this to actually work in the way that you deploy it. So you are now putting it on them rather than gathering them together. And so there's a physical element, all the above. It's like, even by nature of the resources you use, the way you deploy discipleship, that by nature can be cultural. What times you do, how you consider working class families, how you consider um, uh, mother, single mothers mm-hmm. with two jobs, how you consider single fathers who are trying to make ends meet, how you consider the the students, even in your 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 youth ministry discipleship, how you disciple, right? Do you disciple with a, with a curriculum that has an assumption of everyone's understanding of biblical stories Mm. or you disciple with people with the authorship where it's only white authorship in the discipleship resources in urban settings Mm. because of access. All these things are like, there's no culturally neutral discipleship and spiritual formation. It is all forming you in a certain way. And so Bria, as someone who loved John Piper, what do you think about, (laughs) (laughs) Coming in hot.
0: Oh, he just came me already. Wow. Hey, look, I gotta ready. y'all
1: do this with me, okay? Y'all do right. this with me. I don't think so. I
0: said right. that off to the side one time. A very, we gotta out
1: ourselves, okay? We young. gotta out ourselves. No, but listen, <laughs> as someone who is has navigated this young black Christian experience in predominantly white discipleship campus ministry settings, tell us about your experience.
0: Yeah. So I came to a predominantly white campus um, coming from the black, you know, the expansive black church tradition, a black church setting and found really just I came in college with the mindset that, oh, I have to find my Christian tribe. I have to find, you know, a faith based group to keep me grounded. I had all of that, you know i still got to be sanctified while i'm in college yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. um which was great which was good i think to have a mindset to have and i came into a really uh popular campus ministry and got like really deeply involved in all of the things um got a, had got discipleship from um a another student who was she was a white student she was a senior at the, or maybe a junior at the time wonderful. We had a great relationship and everything. And I kind of went through the entire process of, okay, I'm a freshman student getting plugged into the Bible study, getting plugged into the discipleship, getting plugged into the conferences and the retreats. I went to all of the things. Mm -hmm. And then- sophomore year, they, you know, the staff and the the older students started having conversations with me about, okay, do you want to be in leadership? Like, wow. yeah. here's what that would look like. Um, you would start discipling someone, you would start leading a Bible study, you would start doing all of these things that you that we kind of brought you into the fold um, freshman year. And I was all gung ho about it. I was like, yeah, 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 put me in leadership, put me in coach. I, I you know, I felt like I was ready and everything. And I will say that in this i think in in the setting that i was in in the, in the ministry the campus ministry i was in i think that there was an attempt to be uh, culturally competent in some ways i mean it was because of some of the staff on in this ministry that i learned about past the mic that i learned about the witness okay, that i learned yeah, about the okay. color of compromise hey, hey. Um, and i heard that's I think a good there
2: book. was. book
0: yeah, it's, I, I, I heard it. Was I, too I guess woke. it's kind of okay. <laughs> if <you>
2: <laughs>
1: Wookie, if you will.
0: Wookie, if you want to be, you know, generally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was through them that I learned about, you know, why I'm here now, honestly, and um, so there was an attempt that I don't think maybe went far enough and mm, deep enough yeah. into the black Christian experience the young black Christian experience the black experience in general um and so when I began to get really heavily involved in um, in leadership in in that aspect I think that it was just kind of there was a, an aspect of kind of tossing me out into the waters and Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was some resources and there was some tools on this, on the side. And they, you know, some people came alongside me um, in that way, but there was a lot that I think was assumed I should know because you know, the, the white students in the, in the campus ministry, this is what, this was their world. This is what they were used to at the churches that they grew up in. Um, The models that we kind of used in this ministry, um the, the 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 discipleship models the bible study models that we use in this ministry and i just kind of looked around tried to kind of figure out okay this is this is how we do things here this is what discipleship looks like and i think one of those things when it comes to i think specifically like spiritual formation and um theology theological perspectives is that there was this this mindset of well my mindset was I don't know who the respected, you know, people, theologians that I'm supposed to be looking up to are. So, you know, you have people who are gung ho about you just mentioned John Piper. So gung ho about John Piper, gung ho about, you know, these people in kind of, I guess, the reformed theological space, even without naming that um mm-hmm. and so i was like oh those are the people that i need to go mm. and study from mm-hmm. and and look to for you know guidance and
2: it sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know um and so i you know went and read all of the things and those were the perspectives that i used when i was leading bible studies and when mm-hmm. i was discipling yeah. people yeah. um and i discipled you know a couple of black students and so There were um, I guess there was a there was a cultural competency in that, you know, you want to have someone who is who is of your experience, of your same cultural background, you know, kind of putting them together. Um, But because I was I was kind of really steeped into that theological world, um, even without recognizing that there was a there was a specific lens there was a, sp- a specific cultural political socio political lens mm, yes. that i was leaning into um that did not have the black christian experience in mind and yes, yes. in a lot of ways wanted to sanctify the black christian experience hmm. in ways that were racist i mean what, if we're what? being if we're <laughs> being honest about it um and i didn't i didn't have that competency there and so I was I was passing that wisdom on to mm. the people that I was discipling and the people that I was um, leading Bible studies with. And so it was just kind of a cycle of of getting kind of getting seeped into this specific theological lens, spiritual formation, and not realizing that you're just kind of perpetuating that that cycle of sending students in, more students come out.
1: Yeah. So was there anything within your campus ministry that specifically was for Black students, and you felt like really spoke to Black students and hmm. really gave mm. them the formational
2: that kind of culturally. Were there many Black students involved?
0: You know what's funny is when I first got involved, there was one other Black student. She was a Black Black woman, um, and it was significant that I came in because there was only one. Now there's two, right. <laughs> and then my fresh my sophomore and junior year. Um, because I was involved and there was another, uh, black, black, uh, male student. Um, we both kind of got involved at the same time. And because of us, we then multiplied and now we got four black students. Mm, And then now you got eight black students, um, for a little while. I don't, there, there were a few who, um, kind of moved on to different things and, and, and things like that. So there were a few of us. Um, I was definitely not the only one. And we also had uh, a black, uh, staff staff person on campus and so there was um like kind of like i said in the beginning there was there was a slight attempt to right, right. um kind of understand that we needed something geared towards our experience and, and things like that and so um our bl- the black campus staff did i think did the best that he could to kind of advocate for us mm-hmm. in those ways right, right. but he also got a lot of pushback from of course, from yeah. staff members and then from the higher up You know, campus because this is an international campus ministry, so the higher up people and that in that way, and so there was some limited there was some limited ways that we were able to be resourced um, in that way, and I think there was a lot more opportunities maybe at like the bigger like winter conferences and things like that um, because there was more students. It was a whole, you know, gathering of the regional uh, campus ministries um, from different campuses in like the Southeast regional area. And so, you know, you had a few black students that gathered at the, at that conference um, and kind of was gathered in this small, you know, hotel yeah. room to kind of talk about our experience and maybe what we needed.
2: y'all, y'all fit in one like hotel room?
0: We didn't fit, <laughs> but they that's what they gave us. That's
2: what they gave us. That's y'all. what they wow. gave us. One
0: and it wasn't even a suite. It was just that one oh, small oh like two bed <laughs> hotel room wow. and we just kind of had to gather. It was hot and sweaty and Oof. some people couldn't come in cuz Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was not great. Wow. And that was the same I went to this conference every year. It was the same thing every single year. Oh my year. goodness! Um, until my senior year.
1: So let's let's talk. Let's take a break, and we're going to come back and talk more about this because there's so many questions that I have, <laughs> <laughs> and so many reflections that I have. We'll be right back on Pastor Mike. Hey, family, this is Tyler Burns, host of Pass the Mic, and I am so grateful to each one of you for listening and supporting the work that we do here at The Witness and on this podcast. And I want to encourage you if you have been blessed by anything we have said, if you have been encouraged, if you've shared the episode, thank you. But you can take your support a step further and you can support us on patreon.com. Patreon.com slash pass the mic for just $1 an episode. That's it. So that's like $4 a month. That's one cup of coffee per month. super easy super simple and you can keep this work going we're 10 years in and we want to do another 10 and we need your help patreon.com slash pass the mic we appreciate those of you who are patrons and we appreciate those of you who are going to support so i hearing what you you've talked about and being adjacent to college campus ministry and not officially involved, but I've spoken at the events I've, you know, had when I was a youth pastor, especially was a presence on campus for the Bible studies and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult because by nature, you know, you're just dealing with the transient population. You're dealing with people who are just going to come in and out. They have so many different things that they're bringing to the table And it's by nature hard, but I think it's even harder for students who are involved if they don't feel like they're culturally seen or represented. And I think it's not just really about campus ministry. It's really about the way in which we've um, marketed discipleship Mm. (laughs) and how we've we've kind of taken spiritual formation and said it's supposed to look like this. You're supposed to do this. These are the markers. So. Mm When you think about your early Christian discipleship and that experience, particularly in that range, that college age range, what would you have done differently? And what do you feel like maybe you would have said to yourself, like, Bria at 18 is sitting across from you. You're like, look, now, before you get involved, (laughs) like, this is what. This is what you need to be aware of, like, Mm. or this is what I would recommend that you would do. Like, what would you recommend that 18 year old you would do before you got in that experience?
0: Mm. That's a great question. I think. Number one, so I was involved in both heavily involved in both. And kind of two dual things that sometimes had some overlap, but in that campus ministry, but also in our African-American Cultural Center um, on our campus, shout out to Upperman; um, definitely was the reason I survived Mm. the PWI experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, I think, especially my freshman and sophomore year, I was kind of there, but I wasn't very deeply involved in everything and all of the resources that they had going on because- I was spending all of my time in this campus ministry. Um, Mm. And so I think I really needed to be formed by um, some of the things and the experiences that we had in that cultural center to help center me in um, our communal experience, because there were also black Christians who may not have been a part of any campus ministry, but were still very heavily involved in that cultural center. And so you kind of got that um, different context of, how you are being spiritually formed in that center. Um, and so I would have spent a lot more time in the, as I was getting started because I did definitely my my junior and senior year, um, I would have spent a lot more time there to kind of keep me grounded, mm. keep me connected to um, to th- the black student experience and just to our people and, mm. and you know be li- be uplifted in that. Um, so there's that, but also. One of the things that I really struggled with was trying to synthesize the very individualistic ways that our campus ministry and I think campus ministries in general yeah. tend to do discipleship and the very communal ways that we understand our faith expression mm. um, and within the black Christian experience. Um, and so I think that there are benefits to the, you know, one on one. Meeting for coffee, doing <laughs> yeah, you know, that. talking about all the things. Yeah. Um, model, but I would have really tried to think of and and push back on some ways that that maybe alienated those who are used to the Black Christian experience yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, just just where
2: folks just like you want to meet where to do what <laughs> right, like, right, right. right exactly Coffee's They're like what? why are we going
0: to social coffee like <laughs> what are we doing we're, we're talking what are we talking about life like what are we doing here yeah. um and so yeah i would have i think i would have challenged a little bit more that model and um tried to express like hey let's let's figure out a more communal way to do mm-hmm. discipleship where we are um maybe in a group setting maybe it's not just a one-on-one maybe it's a group setting or um, you know, some, th- some different things like that. And thirdly, I think as far as um, mentioning, you know, scholarship and people that I was learning from, mm-hmm. um, I definitely would have challenged the people that we were ch- challenged, the people that we were looking up to and learning and learning from in this space. And, of course, adding, you know, black Christian scholarship. And we did have some of those, but they were definitely some people like you have like people who agree with that theological right that theological right, lens, yes, yes. and so there was there was always pushback um, from different uh, writers and scholars and pastors or whoever that I was trying to learn from who maybe didn't fit that lens and, right, and had right. different um, a different theological background, a different worship experience, whatever um, you want to call it, and. I would have pushed back on that and challenged that and said, Hey, and it's not even just about an individual person or an individual book or scholarship or anything, but it's the um, idea that we can't learn from different theological perspectives Mm -hmm. and
1: Mm -hmm. um, worship Mm -hmm. experiences
0: and all, Mm -hmm. you know, bring that in, let them challenge each other, let them speak to each other.
2: Yeah.
0: um, And um, let them form us as black Christians and as black students. Um,
2: That's so good. I think there's an interesting historical aspect to this, and I've only done some very sort of preliminary research, but a lot of the college campus ministries, the evangelical ones, uh, started to to really gain steam around the mid-20th century. And there's reasons for that. Like, mm. they had the resources, you know? Right, traditional sure. black churches didn't necessarily have resources for even a full-time pastor, let alone some youth college campus ministry person with all the bells and whistles that that would go with a ministry like that. And so the organizations putting on these events are Campus Crusade, are varsity. Mm-hmm. And around this time... They are really sort of dedicated to evangelism. Mm. Um, and, and that's still very much in their DNA today. But, but the, the, the real ethos was go out and win people for Christ, youth mm-hmm. for Christ, all of that stuff, right? And so they got really good programmatically at doing that. Mm. And this was also about the time that these ministries sort of unofficially and without a lot of fanfare started to open access a little bit to black people. Right. So one of my mentors, Dr. Bill Pinnell, who's turning 94 in uh, 2023, he um, had already been a Christian, but he really got involved in one of these college campus ministries because basically it was the only thing available and they were doing a lot of outreach. Right, mm. right. And I think that's how a lot of black folks kind of get caught up in this, even to this day. Yeah, yes. definitely. Yes. Um, 100%. Even
0: more to this day, I would yeah, even say. I would
2: I would say so. Yeah, because yeah. they've only gotten bigger. You're right. Um, so that that truly evangelistic ethos I think is is still there, but it's also been very much crowded by the politicization of evangelicalism. Right. The rightward drift. Um, There was an era, even in the 20th century, where you could call yourself an evangelical, and there was kind of space for for social, cultural, political Mm -hmm. differences, Mm -hmm. right? Not anymore. (laughs) And especially at the leadership level, right? Like Mm -hmm. at the level of a college campus, you know, they might recommend pass the mic. They might recommend (laughs) callers, right? right? right. Mm -hmm. But don't let that stuff get to the national level, that's where you start running into these roadblocks. But mm. it's really only pretty recently, I'd say in the last 20, 25 years with the racial reconciliation movement and the Black Lives Matter movement that that's really taken center stage is that we need to mm. you know, think about diversity in these different ways. So I experienced a lot of that whitewashed discipleship. Yes, John Piper was the go-to when I was coming through. Um, And partly, you mentioned this before, is access, right? Yeah, for sure. You do a Google search right now, any theological question, the whole first page is going to be, the whole first five pages are (laughs) going to be filled up with white people answering these religious questions. Yes. And it's as if there's no other Christians, there's no other people um, of color practicing religion given the ubiquity. And this is a resource thing. This is is not because they have the best answers. It is. It's because they had the money to have the cameras and the give out free Bibles and Bible study materials and train the pastors, or they could go and raise their money on their own, which is another aspect of this whole thing is how you raise money for, for these ministries. So anyway, there's a historical context that goes along with what many of us have received as a miseducation of young black Christians.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think just the access to, I've I've noticed how things move at the speed of access to certain things. So like, you know, your life and your trajectory, even in ministry, based upon certain rooms I've been in because I knew someone who was in the room, they put me in the room yep. and then all of a sudden I'm exposed to these, these types of things. I'm like, Oh snap. So that's how you get on that thing. So that's how you get connected Relational to this person. Capital. So this is how you do it. And I, it, you would never know. And so that leads to that filters down to how we disciple and things like that. But I'll say, I think one of the crucial things for young black uh, college students, young black Christian college students is I really enjoy going to to preach and speak at black student ministries. Yes, mm-hmm. And I don't want to name all the names. So I don't want people to think, ah, you siding with this one versus that one. I'm, I haven't been to all of them. I'm just saying the ones I've been to and one that I actually Malina was leading worship at and I had preached at this same one the previous year, but they were playing the Tom Skinner speech. So mm-hmm. they played the top part Man of the Tom uh, Skinner speech. And it was fascinating because I was doing some social content for him and doing some like video stuff to watch, you know, young black students in 2023, looking at the Tom Skinner speech and like their processing, like how relevant it still is. Mm-hmm. And then to, it was, it was so you have to as a young black Christian be involved in embodied spaces. Yes, you must be.
0: yes That's like
1: it, if it is only intellectual, if it's only cognitive, if it is only cerebral, you are missing something and there is great intellectual cognitive um you know there, there's there's great cerebral, meet and wait in those spaces of embodiment, but it has to be embodied. Yes. And I watched the students go from hearing the message or I, I watch them go from, you know, the, the energy in the room before hearing the message, dancing and shouting, having a praise break moment. Oh, and wow. this is the interesting thing is not everyone comes from the same tradition. So not everyone's going to know what to do, mm. but to see them even attempt to enter in, in their in their church, they may not attempt to enter into that because they're in, they're in home church. They're in home church with mama and auntie and and mm. you know their father or whoever. But in that space, they felt the freedom to do so because oh, it's all young,
0: mm. yeah.
1: Like to to have demonstrations of spiritual gifts, yeah. to have um you know an explicit all wrapped in the explicit explanation and pointing to of, you no, know, our blackness is beautiful, mm. yeah.
0: And those things, when you're talking about like the spirit, the expressions of the spiritual gifts and and those forms of worship in these white contextual spaces are things that are not like like I had students like my friends and things. People ask me if. They thought if I thought speaking in tongues was actually real or if like when people were shouting, um, if they were actually having, you know, if they were actually filled with the spirit, or if they were just performing. And so these these are those those worship expressions that are maybe not particularly demonized in in these white contextual contextual spaces, but definitely just not like they become they become an aspect of like intellectual cerebral study and not something that um we can embody and and understand more. So what you're saying is really significant and something that I also wish I had been more intentional with, because I was also a part of the campus ministry, but then I also had um, in the actual church space while I was in college was a part of the whole multi-ethnic right. um, church space. And it was a wonderful church. I love the church that I went to. Right. Um. But that was the aspect that I really missed of that embodied just like gathering together as black Christians and um, and doing what we know, just right. using our bodies to enter into the, that and spiritual moment.
2: That's something I didn't even realize I was missing when I was younger because I wasn't raised in a church at exactly. all. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't have this reference mm. of a, an embodied black Christian experience. And I think it's important to say that in these contexts, like you mentioned some of the 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 benefits of it, um, you know, them pointing you to particular resources, leadership experience, relationships, I'm sure, right? Yeah. So often in these contexts, it's not what is said, it's what's not said. Hmm. It's That's not right. what's done, it's what's not done. And because I can imagine, you know, white folks listening to this, like, well, we were I mean, we weren't perfect, but we didn't do XY. We weren't calling people an N-word and say you need to sit in the balcony. That's not that's not what that's we're not talking about. Yeah. Um this is this is how Carter G. Woodson puts it. He said, Our most widely known scholars have been trained in universities outside the South. Northern and Western institutions, however, have had no time to deal with matters which concern the Negro especially. Um and he goes on and says, The large majority of Negroes who have put on the finishing touches of our best colleges are all but worthless in the development of their people. Mm. So Mm. what I'm getting at here is when (laughs) these aspects are missing, did y'all hear that? (laughs) When these aspects are missing, as you said, Tyler, there's no culturally neutral discipleship. When the only culture you're coming from Is a white Western European middle class male heterosexual all those things Mm. perspective? Yep, you're only good to minister to that group, yeah, right? right? You're only good to you're only effective or knowledgeable about what are the concerns, the priorities, the questions of that group.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you're mentioning this, and I think this is crucial. So, I think this is crucial for. Young Black Christian discipleship. I think it's it's crucial for Black Christian discipleship. I think it's also crucial for Christian discipleship. Right? Like it's one of those things where I look back on how it would have been really helpful for my friends in college who are not Black to be in a Black space. 100%. Mm, yeah, and not necessarily saying that they would need to invade a Black church and, but just them being exposed to being led by a black authority figure that did not look like yes. them, that Absolutely. did not have the same theological conclusions they had, that did Absolutely. not have the same, that had different cues emotionally and embodied cues and all these things, how it would have been so helpful for their discipleship. Because literally I'm thinking back and I'm saying, how many of them have ever had to be in that space? Ever. and Once. And now you're not going to understand anything about what we say and how we present and, um, and then, and, and then it, it, it struck me how much my college experience would have been different if I attended a black church. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a member. Church membership was huge for me because I'm a PK, born and raised in a church. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a church member. So I was like, I'm joining the, the church. And so I went to the church service they have for the college students in the big arena every Sunday morning. And that joint just made me sad. Every time I went there, it was so uh-huh. dark in there. It was like, you know, it was like, it just made me sad. Like, I was just sad every time I left. So I was like, I don't know if I really want to do that. Like, I just want the lights to turn on or something. <laughs> and so and so I went to, I was like, I'm finna go to Thomas Road. Like, that's just, that's the. it's on campus. So I can just walk to Thomas Road. Mm-hmm. And then my girlfriend and her family were going to Thomas Road. I'm like, I'm gonna try out Thomas Road. And it was cool. Like, it was more like a traditional church experience I was, I was just used to on a Sunday morning, but I was like, man, it's, it's cool, but it's like, it ain't, it ain't home. You know, like I was just thinking like, it's just like, okay. Like I remember the first time I was in, there, I was like, this isn't my first time being in a predominantly white church, but like y'all don't say nothing back. Y'all don't, you know, <laughs> you know I was like,
2: do I stand? Do I, where's the embodied experience? Right. Like I just,
1: and it wasn't, I didn't even understand that part of yep. it. But now I look back and I know I was missing something. Mm-hmm. I was missing the ability to be fully present, to be fully there, to be fully mm-hmm. embodied, to be my full black self, authentic black self. Mm. And if I was looking back on it, I I'm not saying I wouldn't have joined that church, but I would have made it my point to No, looking back on now knowing what I know, I wouldn't have joined that yes, church. Right. But I'm saying I'm not saying I I would have told myself, don't go to that church, stay away. No, it's more like make sure you diversify your church experience right. Yeah. Right. and make sure that you experience embody black spiritual. And here's the funny thing. And, and I know, I know we have, we have to wrap up soon, but I I want to tell this story because this is the funny thing about it. One of the things that was happening at the same time, you have Thomas Roe Baptist church. This is on Liberty university's campus. You got Thomas Roe Baptist church. You got the campus kind of church, which is really just the campus pastor, whoever the campus pastor is and the campus worship team. But on the outskirts of the campus, there is a black Pentecostal church mm. and there is a very now famous black Pentecostal church. It's now it's now very uh, prominent and it's called Ramp Church uh, with S.Y. Younger, Chante mm-hmm. Younger. Mm-hmm. Now, what's so fascinating about this, this experience, though, is that the Ramp Church was a church that would get a lot of black students but people would critique it because they came to different theological conclusions very openly than the college. Now, here's what I remember. I remember listening to uh, a dorm. I, I was thinking about moving dorms. And I remember listening to the dorms, uh, listening to the the RA and the S.O.D. in the dorms talk about why they would never go to that church, hmm. Because they had a theological form, and in the theological form, they said some things that they found to be heretical. Mm. Now, I disagreed with the churches, so essentially, it was over the, the the nature of the Godhead. They were oneness; they were PAW, so they were oneness Pentecostals, and I'm Trinitarian. So it it reg- but it didn't register to me. When's the last time your church had a had a form on the Trinity? Right. So I ain't saying I agree with the same. I ain't saying I agree with the same conclusions. I'm just saying they what he talked about. They were doing word study in front of everybody. Mm. So I'm saying, look, hey, I have my theological convictions. I'm saying, so you telling me they not just shouting and dancing mm. and singing real good, but they also doing deep study, study. on the Bible mm. in a forum and inviting people to come see it. Now hold on now. Isn't this what you want? So you can't say they ain't
0: studying. And assume that we're not doing?
1: And assume that we're not doing. And they do. And so it it struck me because I was saying, you know what? I don't even and it it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I was listening to the conversation. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you may come to a different conclusion. I come to a different conclusion. But don't you see that they're really devoting themselves to studying the word of God? Mm. And didn't y'all say? They're the people that are just emotional. I don't think they're just emotional. I mean, you make them... so it's like wow. Even in that context, we just made an assumption about them, mm-hmm. and I didn't go to that church because that's the emotional church. Yeah. Wow. That's that. Yeah. That's the. But it's like no, they're doing deep study that too, resonates. and and at the, the same time, they are embodied. Yep. And would I have not been, and I'm not saying this, I'm saying in my mind, like, wouldn't I have been better served holding on to my theological convictions, but being in an embodied space where I'm being stretched as someone that's, I'm having to have conversations with people I disagree with. And I'm having to exist in community with people I disagree with, but people who also love me and all of
2: me for me.
0: Mm. Wow.
2: And that that that's the two-sided coin of miseducation. One is the education we're receiving, the other is the education we don't receive. And so it is to come out of that is both dismantling and decolonizing unhealthy ideas but also constructing and seeking healthier views of things like the expansive black christian tradition, right? Because we don't get to see that. So it's, it's, it's an ongoing work for me. I, I'm, I'm still coming out of a lot of things. Friendly
1: as well. <laughs> and I hate that I wasn't able to expose myself to that part of the, That that's a part that I miss that's a part of the expansive black Christian tradition that now I interact with because of, you know, I'm in a black Pentecostal movement. So you, it's a, it's a mix. I mean, it's so many different, it's ex Kojic and ex-PAW and ex-this and you know, ex-whatever, ex-evangelical, ex-this. So like I have to interact with so many different perspectives, but now I think how would my, how would I have matriculated differently back to my home church? How would I have, transition differently back to my home community if I learned from the people they told me to be afraid of (sighs) how would that look different how would I look different now and that's what that's miseducation